Good morning, everybody. How you all doing? You got you got to make up for all the gaps in between you. So how are you all doing? Good. Awesome. So the hall is looking Christmassy. You guys are looking Christmassy. The kids are getting excited about Christmas. Uh, something you may know about us and our home is that our home gets very Christmassy over the season. And I say this with absolute integrity. It looks absolutely beautiful every single year. I don't know how my wife does it. I mean, just by being there, she makes the house look beautiful. But then also, there are also all the decorations. And I mean it, I mean it. But it really looks beautiful. It's magical. There's the Christmas tree, Christmas decorations, Christmas carols, Christmas candy, Christmas smells. It's such a thing. And Christmas movies. And that's probably one of my favorite parts. And uh, we were able to introduce our kids to one of maybe some of our older people here. Um, One of those nice old Christmas movies, Home Alone. All right. And and we're kind of passing it on to the next generation. But Christmas is a big deal. We know we as Christians, we love Christmas. But it also, the commercial Christmas, Santa's Christmas is huge. The other day, we were at some friend's house, and they had a TV show on where it was this reality show where people would really just outdo each other with regards to Christmas lights and that kind of thing. I mean, it's incredible what these people get up to. I'm telling you, Eskom would get a fright if they saw what some of these houses were doing. And I reckon some of these houses outdo Disney. Absolutely amazing what goes into it. Now today, I don't want to get into the kind of, uh, the commercial Christmas has destroyed the real Christmas train. I mean, that's a different kind of a discussion. But I want to talk about why Christmas has become so big in our culture. What lies beneath this, this swell of Christmas love and Christmas magic and Christmas activity. Because if you do, if you go listen to the songs, if you listen to the radio, you go through the malls, you look at the carols, and, and you look at the, what's being said and what's being part of the marketing, you're going to hear a number of regular themes. And, and I'm not talking about Santa's Christmas, not so much the Jesus Christmas. And you're always going to hear about how Christmas is full of magic and how Christmas is full of wonder. And in all the Christmas movies, there's, there's something that needs to believe, be believed in because it's Christmas. And Christmas is about believing in something. And so all the lights and all the toys and all the food and all the, 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 the stores and, and all the fun just captivates the world for a few days of the year, maybe a few weeks, depending on which way you look at it. And again, we can get caught up into why that is different to the Christian Christmas and it should never be called holidays and Xmas. It should be called Christmas and we should be proud about that. But I believe that if we just look one layer in, we're gonna make some startling discoveries as to what's going on when the culture is celebrating Christmas with such fervency. You see, Christmas, even Santa's Christmas, is a way for people to experience what they really want. It's a way for people to have a little taste of what they really want. So what is it that they really want? And it's going to, I believe what people really want is a sense of magic. And by magic, I don't mean hocus pocus stuff. I mean just a sense of awe, a sense of magical world, a sense of something worth believing, generosity, family, abundance, peace, love, and joy. And again, I think all the lights and the foods and the parties and the toys and all the dinners and all the foods are there to give us a sense of that. 
a little bit of a taste of that, even if it's just for a few days of the year. Timothy Keller, who some and I quote from regularly up here, um, and good reason if you listen to his podcast and read his books, just you're always going to have an education when you do that. Uh, he writes on J.R.R. Tolkien. And J.R.R. Tolkien, if you don't know, he's the brainchild behind Lord of the Rings. And, and Tolkien was speaking back when he was still alive, speaking on why this realm of books known as fairy tales or fantasy was so popular. And even back in his day, these books used to outsell normal books many, many times over. Maybe if he's alive today, he, Tolkien would be saying, guys, do you know why movies like The Lion King and Aladdin and Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and Twilight and the DC and Marvel movies and, and Star Wars and games like Warcraft, do you know why they always outsell all other genres? And Tolkien was saying that he believes that these storylines are tapping into something very part of who we are and tapping into the sense of this understanding that there is a paradise that's been lost and we are on a, on a journey of recovering that paradise. But along that journey, there's a sense of awe and there's a sense of this magical world. There's a sense of the, the, the world itself is kind of animated and there are beings amongst us who are incredibly powerful and yet the human race is still at the center of the drama and there's gonna be an ultimate climax where good triumphs victoriously over evil. And he's saying, especially when these stories are well told, we get to immerse ourselves into this world and, and maybe leave the real world behind for a moment. And I believe that Christmas, even Santa's Christmas, is attempting to do exactly that. It's just for a while to transport us from the world of pain and confusion and heartache and sin and evil and toil and struggle and get us to believe and, and live in and, and just taste a world dominated by love, joy, peace, family, generosity, abundance, magic, war, and wonder. But then Tolkien goes on to say about these other stories, he says, but it is in the gospel we get a story where our deepest longings will be fulfilled in real time, space, and history. He says, this story alone has entered history, our world, and the, and the primary world, this world. And it is this one story that satisfies all these longings and yet is historically true. So I believe one way of thinking about Santa's Christmas or the commercial Christmas is that it's not so much anti the Christian Christmas, but it's tapping into these deepest desires of our hearts and it's, it's best effort at getting us to taste that for a season. The problem is it's more in our imagination than in reality. Because what happens with Santa's Christmas? Well, either, and most of us are gonna be between these two ends, either, you get everything you want this Christmas, meaning all the gifts you wanted, all the family fun you wanted, all the time off you wanted. You got paid, you got the bonus, uh, you're experiencing the time off, you're experiencing joy, you're experiencing peace, you have a wonderful meal, you have a wonderful family, and, and you, you, you go to all the places where there are all the lights. Either that happens or <laughs> it's tough around the table. If there is anyone around the table, the bonus didn't come through. 
the pool pump broke, right? Timing is always wonderful this time of year. So either we get the perfect Santa's Christmas or the anti-Santa's Christmas. Either way, in a few days' time, we switch off the lights, we pack them away, we commit to a few diets, plans after eating all that food, and we tell ourselves that was fake, that was just our imagination, which was fun while it lasted. And now we're going to get back to the real world, the world of work, the world where people are more unkind than kind, the world of struggle. And just like a Christmas movie, we switch it all off. I want to show you that when Christ was given in Christmas, it is in Christ that our deepest desires and our deepest longings and everything that Santa's Christmas appeals to in our hearts is actually fulfilled in Him. And so I want to talk about this a little bit more. And to do that, I'm going to go to a prophecy given to us about Jesus. It was 700 years before Jesus by the prophet Isaiah. And these words might sound familiar. They're in many of the Christmas carols and many of the Christmas songs. But Isaiah chapter 9, verses 67. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 67. And for to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the governments will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And so this story, this prophecy is describing the moments when Jesus comes into the world, the kind of gift that Jesus is, and the gospel writers, whether it's the gospel of Matthew, Mark, or Luke, they appeal to this passage saying Jesus is this story. This prophecy comes to us in Jesus. And so what does this prophecy say comes to us in Christ? The, the son that is born, this child that is given. Well, one of the first things it says, the government will be in his shoulders. And, and just briefly, what does that mean? That means the ultimate responsibility for reigning and ruling does not lie with any one government or any one monarchy, but it lies with Jesus. And then it says he's a wonderful counselor, meaning that this, this almighty God can be so close to you and, and, and love you and affirm you and, and comfort you and strengthen you in your deepest times of needs. But not only is a wonderful counselor, not only is, is he close and intimate, but he's also transcendent. He's almighty God and he can awe us with the glory of his majesty. He's also everlasting father. And the thing that all fathers ought to be doing in, in the lives of their children and affirming them and giving them a sense of identity and, and a sense of acceptance and a sense of unconditional love and, and the kinds of things that we as fathers try our best but fail at. We've got a everlasting father who does it perfectly, but not while we're just children and young adults, but for our entire lives going on into eternity. And then he's a prince of peace but not the kind of peace that is reserved for those who have everything together, but the kind of peace that is an internal peace that regardless of what you are going through can sustain you and comfort you and stabilize you in any and every circumstance. 
comes in Jesus. Then it says here, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Because maybe you look around you and you say, well, I don't see peace. I don't see joy. I don't see love. I see other governments that are competing for this government. I see other kingdoms that are opposed to this kingdom. What's going on? And the Bible tells us that God's kingdom is like a seed that grows. And in our space and time, in our limited space and time, we may look at other kingdoms and be convinced that maybe this kingdom is more powerful than the kingdom of God. But yet when we look through the pages of Scripture and we look at what God has promised and we look at the victory of Jesus over the cross, we can have absolute assurance that while other kingdoms rise and fall, And while some kingdoms partly participate with Jesus' kingdoms, and while other kingdoms are dead set against Jesus' kingdoms, they will fall, and the seed of Jesus' kingdom will eventually outlast and outplay all other kingdoms until it is the only one that stands. And then it says that he will reign, establishing and upholding justice. Isn't that what we want? And righteousness. Now I know whether you wrote it on a list or you whispered it to your husband or your wife, I know the kinds of things you asked for for Christmas were some clean socks or a bag of biltong, maybe a a new car, a new holiday home or a new husband. I don't know what you asked for, but I know that those are the kinds of things that we tend to ask for when it comes to Christmas time. But I want to contend that the things on this screen behind me, these are the things you really want. Maybe the cell phone and the biltong and the clean underpants are the things you want, but not what you really want. I mean, if we just look behind us, isn't what we really want is to be under the reign and rule of a perfectly wise, just king? Isn't what you really want a sense of in the midst of loneliness and and discomfort and uh, just struggle in this world? Isn't what you really want more than any one thing in this world a sense of a being who is known as love to be so close to you, providing for you, strengthening you and comforting you in those moments? And at the same time, isn't what you really want is a sense of I am so small in all of this, a sense of awe. It's a sense of there's something big out there, something I cannot tame, something of infinite glory and infinite wonder, and and you get to just glimpse it and taste it every now and again. Isn't that what we really want? Isn't what we really want is a true sense of righteousness, things done rightly with perfect judgment and no political agenda and economic agenda, absolute justice. Isn't that what we really want? Isn't what we really want is a sense of peace, a peace that sustains me, doesn't matter what I am going through, a sense of joy that even if I don't get what I really want and even if I don't get all the glitz and the glams of Santa's Christmas, I still have joy. Isn't that what do you really want? And isn't that what Santa's Christmas promises? It gives us a taste of for just a few days, but fails to deliver. Listen to, uh, Dell's earlier alluded to the shepherds and the angels. And when Luke talks about it in Luke 2 verse 10, it says, but the angel said to them, to the shepherds, do not be afraid, 
For I bring good news that will cause great joy to all people. Now just listen to how I'm emphasizing that sentence. Good news that'll bring great joy to all people. Now I don't always understand everything that Andy Sandy says. I don't know if I always agree with everything he says, but he says this so well. He says that don't you, if you hear bad news, don't you hope it's not true? But when you hear good news, don't you hope it's true? So for example, you're out and you're reading the papers or online news and you find out there's gonna be load shedding or you find out the economy's been downgraded or your neighbor calls and says that your sewage pipe has burst. Don't you, regardless of whether it's true or not, don't you hope it's not true? Or on the other hand, you hear some news that you really hope to be true, so you hear that things are turning around, or even though it's been a tough year, you're still going to get the bonus, or after a tough battle with their health, he's going to come through, or she's going to come through, and maybe there are some real difficulties for you to believe whether it is true or not, but don't you hope it's true? Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, maybe you've looked at how some Christians live their lives, And you said, I don't care if that's true. I hope that that is not true. But I would also appeal to you this morning, regardless of what you've seen around you and regardless of whether uh, what you've hoped for has let you down, when we talk about these deepest desires that are in our hearts and that maybe there's a possibility that they come to us in Jesus, isn't there something in you that hopes that is true? And I know maybe you've got some real struggles as to whether you do believe it's true or not. We're not gonna be able to dive into those this morning. We do that regularly as a church. But C.S. Lewis, who once was an intellectual atheist, he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, also just happened to be a good friend of J.R.R. Tolkien. And he says, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. And so to import that into our message today, if, if Christmas is trying to tap into these desires of our hearts, gives us just this tiny shallow little taste of the glitz and glams of Christmas, hoping to satisfy our deepest desires. And yet it all gets switched off and it all gets written off simply to our imagination. C.S. Lewis is saying, hey, listen, if I look at how this world works, I'm hungry and I see that there's food. I'm thirsty, I see that there's something to drink. I have sexual desires and I see that there are ways in this world for me to satisfy those desires in good and healthy ways. But then there are other desires that this world somehow doesn't seem to satisfy. And so do I just say, oh well, or maybe. Maybe there's another kind of a reality that is meant to satisfy those desires. Now understand, to try to compete with Santa's Christmas, to try and compete with the, with the, uh, uh, um, the commercial Christmas. I know that the, the Christian Christmas doesn't come with all the lights. But is lights what you really want? Or is awe and, and wonder what you really want? And maybe the, Christmas, the Christian Christmas doesn't come with you know, the new car and a pile of expensive presents. But is it actually presence that you want? 
Or is it a sense that there's somebody out there who cares for you so deeply, who's thoughtful, who knows what you need and knows what you want and is willing to sacrifice to give you that? And maybe the Christian Christmas doesn't come out with uh, the kind of peace that, that we're looking for. But have you ever been in a circumstance where just for a few seconds, life was going as you planned? Right, the bank was looking good. Relationships are looking good. Man, country's looking good. I, I would wager that even in those moments, there's something in you that is still thirsty for something else. That is still deeply unsettled. Even if everything else around you looks great. And so is just perfect circumstances what we really want. I believe what we really want is something in us that settles us. Something in us that gives us meaning and purpose. Something in us that gives us a peace that transcends understanding. Transcends our circumstances. And again, is what we really want just a few days of love, peace and joy and generosity and, and mystery? No. I think what we really want is our lives to be defined by those things. And so if the Christmas story is true, we carry on reading that story, we see God who died for us, who defeated our true enemies, sin and death, and open up an opportunity for humanity to join him in a new kind of world. A world where he will enter this creation once again, not as an infant in the back parts of Israel, but he will come as victorious king and he will take all the things that unsettle us and all the pain and all the death and all the suffering and he will purge this world of those things. And then he will take the goodness of this world and recreate it into a world where our entire reality is defined by awe and wonder and the closeness and love and presence of God and having perfect identity and affirmation and love and having this incredible relationship with this being that blows our minds and there's perfect love between us. The world is, is almost participating with us in how it produces for us. That is what awaits us in Christ. And that is what we get to taste in him in this world. And by the way, I think the biggest deceit of Santa's Christmas is that it's only for those who get the feels of Santa's Christmas. Who get to experience the lights and the gifts and the perfect family and the perfect Christmas meal. And get to have some sort of internal sense of magic and awe and wonder. Whereas when Christ came into this world, it's not only for the 3% of humanity, it is for all of humanity. It's good news that brings great joy for all people. And so that regardless of what you are going through right now, and regardless of your circumstances, the promise of Christmas is that all these are given to you in Christ. And so it is in Christ that we get perfect peace. It is in Christ that we get love. It is in Christ that we get the mystery and the greatness of God's presence. It is in Christ that we get the closeness and the love of God's presence. It is in Christ we get sustaining joy, sustaining peace, sustaining life. doesn't matter what you're going through. And so I've tried to argue that it is through Christmas, the Christian Christmas, that we get everything you've ever wanted. 
but it's not apart from Jesus. It's not like you can sit here this morning and say, you know what, Stephen, I do want some more joy. I do want some peace. I do want some more sense of awe and magic and wonder in my life. I do also want a sense of, you know, just like an internal sense of, of strength and comfort, but just I don't want Jesus. Uh, you know what, give me some of those things and, and a little bit of Jesus and then I'll be fine. The reality is, Jesus is the presence of those things. The person of Jesus is. Think about it like a marriage. Imagine you were sitting here this morning, single and saying, oh, feeling a bit lonely. And you know what, Lord, I, I really want to be loved conditionally. I want to have a sense of family, a sense of home. Someone who's going to love me in spite of my faults and, and someone who's going to help grow me and mature me, someone to have fun with. And God says, okay, fine. Well, here's a wife. No, I don't want a wife. I just want these other things. And you and I would know that the reality is all these other things come from loving and being loved by a spouse. And it is byproduct of this reality, this primary relationship that we get the benefits of these other things. And the same is true with Christ. So like Jesus is up there and just hands out peace. He hands out himself. That is the Christmas story. He came personally into the world. And it is by knowing him, and just by the way, heads up, this is what Christmas Eve and Christmas Sunday is going to be, as Christmas Day is going to be about. It's going to be about knowing Jesus. And it is through knowing Jesus, having a real and genuine relationship with this Jesus that we get as a byproduct of that relationship, peace and love and joy, the closeness and intimacy of God, a sense of his awe and wonder and power and magic. Now, I don't know if you do the tree and the lights and the candles and the food, whether you do or whether you don't. What I want to just end off by appealing to you is, why don't you dare to believe that the things you're really looking for aren't to be found in lights? If you've got lights, great. Aren't to be found in a, list, in a pile high of presents. If you've got a big pile of presents, well, Hallelujah. But the things you're really looking for, maybe dare to believe that they're not to be found in those things. Maybe they are to be found in a person called Jesus, who is the presence of those things. And here's one more question I want to leave for you is, is how does the world see this? A world which is hungry and thirsty for the genuine nature of these things. A world which is looking around and just disappointed by what it sees. How are you going to point towards the presence of Jesus? And I want to say this is where you become the presence. Because as much as you relate to Jesus and as much as you experience the gifts of peace and love and joy and awe and power and majesty, generosity, that that is going to flow out in how you live. And therefore, you are going to engage your neighbors and your families with these very same qualities that you have received so richly in Jesus. And so while everybody else is bickering around prices and haggling and Black Friday, and again, I'm not necessarily saying that's a bad thing, but if their focus is there and they're discovering that it's an empty place of finding joy, if someone looks at you and how you love them, and how you're developing peace in the midst of Tragedy at times. Now, how you are just a place of love wherever you go. 
That is how we get to share what we've experienced in Christ in Christmas. Because that's how God's kingdom works. And we get to be part of the drama, part of the story of magic and awe and wonder. And we get to participate. And so I want to pray for us. Please would you pray with me, Father. We thank you that you, as a perfect father, desire such good things for us. You desire that, that we receive these things in the fullest capacity we can this side of eternity. And you desire that what truly sustains us and what truly satisfies is your life and your joy and your peace and your salvation. And Father God, I pray that you'd help us dare to believe that that is true. And that either because of or in spite of the other kinds of distractions around Christmas, that we look beyond that. We look to you. And Father, I pray that we find you. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you give Christ so richly to us. You have demonstrated that already. That is your intent. That is why you did this. And so Holy Spirit, enable us to, to see what you give us in Jesus. Enable us to receive what you give us in Jesus. And enable us to be points of what Jesus gives to others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.